0: This is the second episode of the Garrett Schalke Podcast. I am the guy that this podcast is named after, Garrett Schalke. And uh, what's the date today? The 30th. Yep, December 30th, 2017. Two days until New Year's. So this is the special New Year's podcast because I'm too lazy to actually do this on New Year's. (laughs) And we're probably going to be too fucked up to do it both the day before and after to get one. And uh, today's guest is uh, my longtime homie slash editor, Zach Allenblad. Yo. Yeah. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good. I'm great. Uh, <coughs> I could elaborate if you wish. Yeah, uh, so
0: pl- please elaborate.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, I've had a super busy year. You know, we started off the year uh, in terms of what Garrett and I are working on. Uh, we started off the year finishing up the editing on Up Jamboree, um, and I also released a book of my own this year, which is a photography book, uh, which I was kind of working on concurrently with your stuff. We released yours in March. Yes, right? we did. And then we had a a little shindig up in Grand Rapids.
0: Oh, wait, wait, no. We released it in... Wait. Didn't we release it in July?
1: Oh, yeah, July. What did we do uh, in March? We did something... Well, uh,
0: Oh, well, I had... well, very quickly, everyone. Uh, Zach and I were talking before this podcast, yeah. <laughs> mostly mostly business stuff, and uh, I told him like, yeah, I was thinking we should just do like a year in review kind of thing. Yeah, we just talk about our many adventures, and then, as usual with this podcast, just about wherever we want, wherever the wind takes us.
1: The wind takes me places. That's where I go. <laughs> uh,
0: don't we all? Yeah. Oh, goddamn it! I've It's still recording, but, yeah, this computer... Windows 10
1: needs the latest security updates.
0: No, it does not. It it, it probably does, but not right now when I'm fucking recording a podcast. (laughs) Fuck you, Windows. (laughs) Fuck you, Lenovo computer that I've got specifically for this podcast. All right, so uh, let's get back our narrative there. Sure. Okay. Okay, Wait, I believe your book came out first, the yeah. book through Blurb.
1: Yeah, The the Americas is the one that I'm referring to. I'd, I've been it caught up in such a whirlwind this year of, like, changing the way that I do business and, like, changing my, like, identity as a full-time, like, wage slave to, like, a full-time entrepreneur. So... Like, the last six months have been, like, the craziest six months of my whole life. I honestly don't even remember the date that we released either one of those books. <laughs> but I know it happened this year, and I know it happened... You're right, I think I released The Americas in May. May or June. And we we must have done The Americas at the beginning of the month, and I think we did Up Jamboree at the end of the month.
0: Yeah, I do remember... Saying that I wanted out in the summer, since yeah. that we, when I'd be free up to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being, I remember seeing uh, the Americas, obviously when I was visiting beforehand. So I know, sure. I know it came out.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I had a release event here in Kalamazoo, and you read at that. But yep. It Wasn't really advertised much as a release event, as much as it was a gallery showing for prints of the thirty-five pictures that are. In the book.
0: Yeah, let, let's talk about that. The Americas. Uh, what okay. Summarize it. What is the book about?
1: The book is about a couple of things. Um, it's, a, it's a photo slideshow or a photo set of 35 images from North, Central, and South America. But it's also a story of my personal travels throughout the, the, the two continents of the Americas. And I decided to title it that because that's one of the real prevailing things that I myself changed about my outlook on the world when I traveled to South and Central America, which is that those are also Americas. Like, you like a lot of people in the United States think of South America and Mexico and Central America and all of Latin America as this kind of, like, one thing which is, like, tied to people's feelings about immigration, and, oh, yeah. and their own, like, sort of xenophobia, in, in a way, there's just this thing about South of the Border that sort of exists in, in the American, like, mindset, or the, the United States mindset, I should be specific, and that's one thing where, like, I noticed that when I was learning Spanish again, or learn, like getting back through conversational conversational Spanish, a lot of people will kind of like scold you or, or like scoff if you're from the United States and you say you're from America, because, you know, somos todos oh. Americanos, like we're all Americans, right? Like yeah. everybody in the Western Hemisphere is... American on on these continents. Have
0: you ever been called a gringo?
1: Yeah, yeah, many times. Uh, There was one lady, I was at uh, Sacsayhuaman, which is like a a sacred site to the Incans in Peru. And um, I was walking around by myself uh, the second time I went, just this past September. And um, some lady called me Señor Vasquez. He's like, I tried to get out of her way because she was like carrying sticks. I don't know. I honestly don't know why this <laughs> transpired. And like, my Spanish is shaky enough as it is, but she was speaking like hardcore indigenous, like Peruvian Spanish.
0: So it's per- perfectly that, you know, that you couldn't keep your pocket dictionary open and exactly, figure yeah, it out.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of like influence of uh, the Quechua there as well which is like the indigenous andean language so like people speak spanish kind of as the common language like the language she would speak at home is not spanish it's quechua and so she's basically translating her thoughts or transliterating her thoughts from quechua into spanish communicating to me and then i have to transliterate spanish into english in order for me to understand and it's difficult for me man it's very difficult. Well, there a
0: lot of eye rolling and groaning on her part yeah well i mean uh... all that was happening
1: is i was standing on top of this hill just like watching between <coughs> like looking out at the beautiful landscape between these two rocks and she like needed to pass me by and she she was like get out of my way and then she called me Senior Vasquez, which is, you know, Vasquez is... Well,
0: well, yeah, because as I'm imagining it now, very comically, I might add, there's you standing on top of the world, you know, you got your hands yeah, maybe yeah, on yeah. there, you're probably nodding in approval, like, this is the yeah. way life is. Yeah. Then here comes this uh, local who's probably seen this view hundreds of times in their yeah. life, you know, just like, Eff. American. Yeah, basically, you know. And and so I tried to get out of
1: her way, and then she kind of like barked some words at me, and I thought that she was trying to get me to help her carry this bag of sticks because she had bad legs. Is basically what I was getting out of this conversation. Uh, was she an old woman? Yeah, yeah. She's an old woman that was about as round as she was tall, <laughs> and she was carrying a like a... Fabric shroud that had been wrapped with a literal bundle of sticks, like it's just like a hundred sticks that were like lashed together and then bound in this fabric thing that she had slung around her back.
0: Basically, it's kind of like the stereotype that all Americans who have never been there probably imagine. Yes, yes. Through movies or it was or or through, or through it was like or through like some history or Discovery Channel exactly. show about it.
1: And so she throws this bag of sticks and walks down the the steps. It's like three steps. This is not a dramatic staircase of any case. It's not like a, an epic stone staircase. It's like three wooden planks in the dirt that are there so you don't slide on the stone. And she, like, picks it up, looks at me, and, like, and just waddles off. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what just happened to me. Like, I don't know if I was being culturally insensitive. I literally don't understand what happened. So, any, anyway, in, in an effort to try to encourage people to understand themselves and the, their place in the world, so to speak, um, I wanted to put out this book called The Americas.
0: And I I take it there wasn't a picture of said woman as she was yelling at you. of course not. uh,
1: I'm not a photojournalist, man. (laughs) I'm not going to start taking pictures of people as they're yelling at me. Because I'm, like, first and foremost a pacifist. And secondly, I'm really against confrontation, especially on the grounds of, like cultural misunderstandings. Like I am not going to fight with this lady.
0: Oh yeah, uh, la- ladies and gentlemen, I have had many a uh, conversation with Zach about his uh, adventures and <laughs> I will I'll tell you firsthand that yes, uh, unless you are absolutely lying to me, which I do not believe you are. You are a uh, be- you are a very respectful person. You're very very knowledgeable <laughs> and also uh, you I wouldn't say go off the beaten path, but you don't do like what well, a lot of Americans do. You know, you don't shack up in like resorts or anything. Yeah. You don't take guided tours where it's all nice and safe and safe and government funded. You actually to... been on some of those things. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I, be... you but know, I don't like them. <laughs> well, yeah, you, yeah, you probably been on them, but you don't just like immediately shack up in your resort and don't no. mingle with, you know, the locals or see like yeah. or see like exactly the very safe local sites you you literally just go straight out there into the world you know be that borderline vagabond yeah, yeah I definitely, book promotion yeah, but that's,
1: that's, that's a, like a little plug for my most recent novel which is borderline vagabond and like it's for me all of these writings and my music and my photography my art photography is um it's all sort of this one source and that source is like my interpretation of of the world and how how I choose to find identity in it Um, and Borderline Vagabond is a lot about how me and also other people that I've encountered along the way uh, kind of began to look at the world in a different way as they got to adulthood and Realized that the world was not quite as like accessible and um, fun as, yeah. as as like a lot of people make it out to be, and so it was sort of through that grit and through working really really hard that oh, I've been able to see a lot of my friends like make it in their lives, and like now in many in many respects I've made it to where I don't know but a lot of people could have said could say about me that i have made it whatever it is and so borderline vagabond is really about my story on how i got into like the intellectual headspace of being a a worldly person like a person that would go off the beaten path or like uh going away from like looking at vacation as an opportunity to go to a location and stay in a resort there and like relax like I would choose to use my, my free time or my vacation time as like an opportunity to learn more about the world or to go to a place that I that other people are scared of going or there's a bunch of reasons I I can't tell you all the reasons that I go to the places that I've Act,
0: actually <laughs> you can because I do like to, I do like have <laughs> these podcasts to be at least an hour in length, but okay. we can we go vastly longer. So, <laughs> indeed, you can go into every single reason you do this.
1: Well, <laughs> you know, I I don't want to to have to dwell on any single topic, but like, really, the I guess I could boil it down to the the di- the desire to gain knowledge, and then subsequently the desire to also spread not the knowledge itself, because for me, like, knowledge as a thing is sort of irrelevant. It's more about the method you use to obtain that knowledge and how it it works in the context of, like, what you're using that knowledge for. And I'm starting to get into, like, weird esoteric like descriptions of why to travel, but, like, anyone who travels a lot or, like, say goes on some solo backpacking trips, you start to get this familiarity with like this wandering spirit that it's sort of primordial (laughs) you know you'll you'll encounter these people and that's why i called the book borderline vagabond because i never fully crossed into this world of like you know you what i was being exposed to at the time that i wrote that was like i'd go to chicago and meet those like street kids that hang out at the train switching yards and there's like a whole culture of kids from the desert Southwest and from everywhere. Oh, really. uh, tra- traveler like, kid, dirty kid yeah, tra- culture. Yeah, exactly. Like they're they're kind of like crust punk influenced, but they're also influenced by hobo culture from the 40s, like the transient movement. Like it's not all just people down on their luck. And well, it, prob- it
0: probably depends on like the age group too.
1: Yeah, a lot of it does, yeah. you know, and 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 a lot of it has to do with, you know. They're not being as much of an opportunity for upward mobility in a lot of places as there was in the 1940s, which is the same reason that it was in the 1940s. They're moving around, you know? People are coming back from war. Like, they're, they're sort of checking out of the whole, like, buy a cookie-cutter house in the neighborhood yeah. and have a family with 2.5 children and a dog. Like, the whole white picket fence idea, idea
0: you know? Well, it's not just idea. It's just that those... And that's a whole nother discussion, but yeah, that yeah. Yeah, there's those opportunities are just not available for various reasons. Yeah. And uh also when it comes to traveling in that manner, it's changed too, like mm-hmm. with security and technology, for example. You know, there's besides a lot more options. It's hard to just say, hop on a train like, you know, you're in a Woody Guthrie song.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is, to a certain extent, like, train hopping that happens. Oh, there's there's plenty, actually. A lot of those kids, what they'll do, though, is they'll, like, sit out there with their dog and a guitar, like, on the street corner and and busk. And they'll busk enough for bus fare or train fare to the next town. Like, they'll sit outside coffee shops. Oh, I know. I've
0: I've had plenty. I have. I actually have a lot of friends who uh, describe me many of these adventures. Yeah, they're very. Some of them are good people. Some of them are yeah. uh, not so good. Yeah, and, and <laughs> you know, well, even
1: judging people as good and bad. That's another thing about borderline vagabond is I was trying to demonstrate and and discuss the fact that there really is no good or bad. Like it's just people and things that happen and interactions and. You're sort of, like, judging each other by the worth of of your own word, you know? Like, if you start catching people in weird lies on the first time that you meet them in a strange place, you're just going to grow mistrustful of them, you know? And for me, uh, traveling is more about, like, making connections with other people and, like, trying to figure out this fucking crazy world around you. We can swear, right? We're swearing.
0: Oh, oh yeah, absolutely, uh there's basically no <laughs> limits what you can talk about on the podcast. Okay. The only thing I would advise honestly is not use real names of people or yeah or if, or or if you're talk about something specific like a job like sure. like I'm not going to name where my day job is. Yeah. but I refer to mine personally as the warehouse. Well, yeah, uh, my day up.
1: job is me, though, really, because I, actually, I have my own business. Actually,
0: so. let's talk about that, because you talked, because obviously we were talking about year review and yeah. how, how we progressed, what we've done. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, for all those listening, uh, here's in our promo. We are recording this right now in the Elmblad Elm Elmblad Media Group Studio at the Park Trade Center.
1: Yeah, uh, we're yeah. at the Park Trade Center in downtown Kalamazoo. Um, which is like a big factory that's been divided into like 120 or something um, small spaces for creative people. This is a pretty common thing in in many cities around the country, yeah. um, and even worldwide. Actually, it's
0: a lot of history behind it, yeah. and it's also haunted apparently.
1: Yeah, there's there's some little hauntings going on. Apparently, the biggest fire. Uh, in the history of Kalamazoo, happened on this site in like the late 1800s. a Boiler exploded or something and burned of course. a course, a bunch of stuff. And uh, like this building used to be the Santa Wax Paper Company, which made uh, like delicatessen sheets.
0: Well, and you know that with <laughs> these ghost stories, something horrible happened. Like you know, yeah. like you know, the owner of it was like. Staying around looking proudly at his work, and then like he tripped over a bar or something and fell into the papers. Yeah, I'm died. sure there's some <laughs> sort of
1: arbitrary tragedy story that's yeah. been assigned to however it happened. Yeah, Cow and, kicks the, over
0: yeah. To and, yeah and uh, well, oh, that's Chicago right, right. there, <laughs> yeah. So now, that guy, so now that guy promptly haunts this place and he like tears up your papers, you're writing notes or something. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, I can say so far from the many times I've been here, I have yet to experience any kind of haunting. I'm kind of waiting for it every time I use the bathroom. You know, I
1: used to think that there was, like, ghosts, ghost to in the walls, but then I met the girl that's also here at 3 o'clock in the morning making noise directly above me. So, like, all my haunting stories are, are basically this, like, cool hippie, Brazilian <laughs> potter chick that just uh, is here at the same time as me. <laughs> like, I didn't know that she was here because I also was always looking for uh, other cars at that time of day but she actually she, rides a bike. <laughs> of so, course. Yeah, she came down and introduced herself to me a couple of weeks ago I'm like, okay, so you're not a ghost. There actually is somebody here.
0: She's yeah. like, what? Ghost? <laughs> um,
1: I think I just apologized for making, making sounds at night and she's like, yeah, wait,
0: wait, what sounds are you making?
1: M- mainly noise, like playing music super loud at three in the morning.
0: Oh, you're just not like trying to format your latest project and yeah. your computer's just fucking up so Anything you just video I'll yell so and shit. You, you know? So you just smash your table. Yeah. Your screams sound ironically ghostly. <laughs> <gasps>
1: No, we just had a polite little conversation, a little a little chatter about being here late at night and being weird night owl-type folks. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, if you were flirting with her, I really hope your opening line wasn't, I thought you were a ghost. No, yeah. I think
1: I said sorry for all the strange noises in the middle <laughs> of the night. And she goes, yeah, I guess I could say the same thing. And then we kind of laughed about it and talked further. Okay, that's good. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah but... uh. But yeah, how long have uh, you've had this space for? I know, I know you were here. I think when like we first started working together. Uh,
1: it was just a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months after we first started working together. Yeah, like that. That timeline is also very rapid for me. The last couple of years have been very rapid. But at that time, I had just gotten back from my first trip to Peru, and uh, I was like spending a lot of time at the like the local 24-hour coffee shop um, and doing video editing there and meeting clients there of
0: course of course you were talking about the great fourth coast yes the great fourth coast yes Cafe. For, <laughs> yeah fourth Co- fourth coast yeah, fourth coast located on West edge right in the vine neighborhood <laughs> one of the main people I hope will sponsor me oh no,
1: are we plugging fourth coast nice that's cool they deserve no it. Mm-hmm.
0: Now I'm just going to rip off Doug Stanhope and just oh. do a bunch of, like, weird plugs for shit that's obviously not Global. sponsoring me. Yeah. <laughs> but, no,
1: right.
0: but no, i spent many a time there, so I still love Fourth Coast. Yeah, sure, it's, heck, it's a uh, coffee shop. Heck, uh, even after we're done here, I might go there and do some work for at least an hour or so. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've, I've got, if, if we're going toward the, Speaking about my office and my day job, I also have some work that I have to do later today because my, like, day job, if you want to call it that. Yes, let's actually get on to (laughs) that because
0: that's another thing you have accomplished that I have not is that you actually, yeah, technically you still have a day job, but... Yeah. It's more like a contractor thing. Yeah,
1: it's a job that I do during the day that I actually
0: enjoy. Yeah, so yeah. basically <laughs> unlike me you have somehow escaped the grind. I have escaped the grind. You, we're all waste grind. we're all waste slaves still, but you, but it's not as bad for you as it is for me.
1: No, I mean it comes with a whole different set of expectations and responsibilities and and irritations, but yeah, I I'm a uh sole proprietor, business owner. I own Elmblad Media Group and as a result of that I do a lot of professional photography on top of my landscape and art photography. And so... Yeah,
0: what, what is this uh, contractor job? Yeah. Like, like? What is your main duty? For?
1: I am a real estate photographer. So I capture images of the interior and exterior of homes that is used on the multiple listing service. Um, that anybody who buys and sells homes is familiar with the, multi, the uh, multiple listing service, the MLS. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a niche uh, thing that I got plugged into, and I happened to be good at it, and I also happened to like it. So I quit my what, day job, so to speak, at uh, a grocery store, and, uh, I was a grocery store manager for a few years, you know, not, it was not like a career or anything like that. Although the people that I worked for certainly thought that I was, oh, was. Be there for a lot yeah. longer than I yeah. was. Yeah. But yeah.
0: You did say that, uh, you had a little confrontation. Yeah. My exit was day. a
1: little dramatic uh, on their part, really not mine. Um, you know, I was just trying my best to manage it all. Like I had saved up all my vacation, uh, for the end of the year and then it got to the end of the year and I... Realized I was going to be quitting my job, so I tried to use up all my vacation in like a month, and they got real pissed about it. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, how
0: dare you use these days yeah, that, that you've yeah. earned through our policies that we put in place? Yeah. Oh,
1: I could go on and on and on about shitty jobs, man, and I have before uh, in my in, life, you know. Indeed, <laughs> in so so can I, yeah. brother. So it, can I. It's it's well established on the internet in my history as a podcaster and writer that I have, I have had and do not like shitty jobs, but now I do something that's, I mean, it's, there's aspects to it that are shitty and I still have people to report to, but, um, I am an independent contractor. I'm not an employee of anyone right now. So at any moment we could surrender, either party could surrender that contract. I'm not obliged to deal with these people basically. Like, the difference for me is I did not want to punch into a clock anymore. That's how I I quant, qualified my my quitting my day job. Like that moment, that pivot moment is I didn't want to be on a time clock anymore. I wanted my time to be my time and I'm paying I'm being paid for services that I'm performing. So Yeah,
0: so when you are doing these services like what is, like, the time frame? Like, how long did it take you, I guess, normally to do this job?
1: It varies. You know, uh, I sometimes on a good day I'll show up to a house and it's 20 minutes of shooting inside. I walk, walk around the house once, take a couple pictures of the exterior, and I'm done. That's the easiest it gets. The most difficult is when I'm in big million-dollar homes on the lakeshore and, you know, they want exterior photos from a certain time of day, either to catch a sunset through oh, a window or and and any of those things. And also those higher profile clients have a lot of built in expectations of what these photographs should look like. So there's kind of like a a built in um like, like level they,
0: of They they have an artistic vision that, yeah, that you need to comply yeah. with.
1: Well I and that's the thing is that I'm not obliged to comply with that. I'm obliged to comply with what the marketing professionals that work at the real estate agency that I'm contracted with want. Oh, okay. That is who I'm beholden to is the marketing staff of the real estate the real estate agents agency office. And so sometimes those two parties disagree. And I'm forced to be a mediator. Oh God! In, in that argument, and and it's really it's it's the same work workplace crap as anything else. It's do you take pictures with the lights on in the house or, or with the, the lights, lights off? I mean, it's really that those kind of simple things. You know, should I apply um, vibrancy uh, enhancements to the color spectrum so that the grass looks greener, or should I not? because there's brown spots in the grass and that should be uh identified in the photograph so it's it's basically you, a balance between photographing what's real and and making the photo make it look good look good yeah
0: but is there ever been obviously do you have any like a good stories out of this like was there ever a client where they like why you yeah. to do something so so extravagant and you're just like looking at them like god just let me take the Fucking picture.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, there was one lady. She was in Texas, and she owned a property, you Oh, know, and I'm, like, the third photographer that had gone to this place because they had just, she'd been cycling through real estate agents.
0: Oh, uh, very quickly, uh, you just work here in Michigan, right? Do you, uh, you don't ever have to go out of state for this? No, I don't.
1: Um, I, I would and I could, uh, were I to take a private client. Oh, okay. Um, But for the ones that I get from this particular real estate agency, um, it's just their jurisdiction. Okay.
0: They're not going to ever just call you up one day while you're out here listening to your Jazztronica playlist. Like, like, Ellen Blatt, we need you to go out to Idaho for this farm shot. No, but I would.
1: (laughs) I mean, there's not much of a reason for me to do that because, you know, they would have to. Pay for me to fly out. Yeah, I would say
0: that. Yeah, yeah. Get a plane ticket now and go there.
1: But say, say one of the higher-profile real estate agents had something in Chicago, or you know, they were they happened to be licensed in Indiana and they've got a multi-million-dollar home in Indianapolis that they want they want me specifically to photograph. Oh, okay. I absolutely could and I would. Actually, I would charge them a shit ton.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess when I mean out of state too, I mean like really far like Texas or Idaho. But like Indiana, Illinois, you know, that's right next door to Michigan. Exactly, yeah,
1: it is. And and I mean I could go to those places and make a footprint as a real estate photographer out there as well. But really it's it's a sort of a localized niche thing. Like it's, it's really not even all the realtors that, that work through this office utilize the services. It's just like, it's the same thing as like, say in the 1990s, you as a photographer had your business card in a real estate agent's office because, you know, you would need photos of nice houses. So they'd call up a photographer and go get a photo. Now everybody expects to have photos, so they have regular photographers some some agencies operate with staff photographers. Some agencies keep everybody as um, contract workers. There's another guy a couple doors down from me that works for a, com- a competitive real estate agency. But we all know each other, you know.
0: Uh, there's no rivalries. He doesn't no, like. He doesn't like no, death glare. You. No, that's or the in,
1: that's the interesting thing about the real estate business is you want to be friends even with your competitors. So like. Any realtor can show a house. If you're a realtor, which is like a a certification and and a membership, um, you are granted access to homes for sale. So you as a realtor for agency X could, could easily throughout the week have agents from agency A, B, C, D... E, F, and yep. G, come through your home and sell it. So agency F could sell the home, and there may have been three agents that showed the property to those um, purchasers. Oh, okay. Everybody gets a little taste of that money. Oh, okay. Everybody gets a little taste. So okay. I get a little taste because I'm I'm being paid by in, in conjunction between the agency and the realtor. Um, and then the realtor gets a taste because they're the one that is the listing agency. The agent, the, the listing agent, the agency gets a taste because they provide the brokerage service. And then all of the other realtors are, are often given stipends or percentages of uh, that final sale because they're the ones that showed the home to the purchasers. And, or maybe they're the ones that are negotiating the deal for the purchasers um, to work with the agency that they're purchasing from, so well, everybody's getting paid, man. Well,
0: you're, you're still very early in your career, but yeah. I assure you that you will have at least one rival within this eventually. You know, you probably have like a Seinfeld Newman relationship. You'll, do, you'll go to yeah. the house and be like, "Hello, Ellen Blad." Hello, Steve.
1: Yeah, there's there's a couple like there's been people that disagree with the way that that I approach it, you know, and I just try to be really uh, jovial, like, I'm really excited, honestly, to be there and to be doing this, and I'm excited to have been afforded the opportunity to do what I want to do, you know, I'm a fucking photographer, I'm a professional photographer, like, how cool is that, I can't really, I don't really get pissed, I get pissed when the traffic is shitty, or, like, when people are driving, like, idiots, or like or when you... when I get screwed over by the realtor because they don't have the key at the yeah, property, or they're
0: or... just really cunty. Yeah. And... yeah, and there's not even really a lot of that. Like they're professional
1: yeah. fake people. Like they are they they design their entire persona to be likable because they have to deal with large amounts of money and people's properties. Like as for every person that's just a rich asshole that has a bunch of properties that they buy and sell to each other, there's also like the mom and and dad of like a, a big family and all the kids are in their 30s and they're selling the house that they've had for 30 years, 40 years and they're moving into a condo in Florida <laughs> or something. So like they're super attached to the property and uh, you're walking through and you're like, oh my God, dude, there's like dog claw marks on every closet and this like there's like piss stains uh, on the furniture. Like,
0: like when, I was, when I've been working with you on hub chambery and, and these upcoming books I want to do with you, which I'm basically published through my Bakuni Incorporated label. Right. And even with uh, Andrew Van, shout out to Andrew, who's doing the illustrations. You no, know, mm-hmm. with you, t- with you guys, like I try to present a vision and unless there's like something really specific, I attempt not to get too aggressive or cunty with you because yeah. I don't want to be one of those people who are just like, do it this way, do it that way. What, what, you're fucking up. Do it that wrong. <laughs>
1: Well, there's, you know, there's so many archetypes of people in general, and I mean, if if you want to swing all the way back to what we were talking about in general, like, I definitely credit my world travel experience with giving me the mental fortitude, the patience, and the the conversational skills to deal with anyone. I deal with everybody. I deal with people who've got mouse shit and, like, stuff hanging out of their ceiling and, like, they're still, this is my property, you know? And yeah. I'm like, this is not property but, I'd be proud of, yeah.
0: bro. It's basically, it looks like an like something out of episode of Hoarders. But, yeah. but they want yeah. you, the photographer, to mm-hmm. make it look like something out of Lifestyles of the Rich and yeah. Famous. Yeah,
1: and I also go to those kind of houses where it's like, you walk into this home and you're like, I have just walked into the cover of a magazine.
0: Like, real bougie, real bougie, they, like they, gorgeous they, teak
1: wood library framing port portcullis. All yeah. whatever. What I, I don't even know enough landscape and architectural t- uh, terminology to describe <laughs> the cool ass shit that I've seen. Yeah, in the houses, they,
0: man. they literally have like the wife coming down the staircase in a flowery dress. They got the butler who looks like Alfred from Batman. Everything in
1: between, man. I've seen it all. And I've only been doing this for six months, and I've seen everything you could imagine, dude. I've seen everything. Um, but, like, what's really funny is everybody seems they're, like, overly apologetic. Because they, like, when I walk in that home, 75% of the time, it's the cleanest that's house, that house has ever been, ever before. It's, the furniture's all straight, everything's vacuumed. That's if there's furniture in the place. But, like, I'll go in there, and it's this, mo- like, million-dollar home, 500000 whatever. Like, price uh, housing prices make no sense outside of Michigan. So there's no reason to really talk about the value of these homes. It's, it's more about the, the perceived, uh, like, level of quality that people have. And so like you'll you'll In the morning you'll walk into a shack That's literally in danger of falling over Uh, And then later that afternoon You'll walk into one of these gigantic Beautiful homes And they'll be like oh I'm so sorry I meant to wash this spot off The granite countertop uh, (laughs) And I'm like I was literally Like I had to wash my shoes Because there was cat shit on the floor Of the last place I was at Like you're good in fact, I'm the dirtiest thing in this house.
0: Yeah, yeah. you see, these are Aries he's um, wearing. You know, you need to repay me for the cash shit. I'm putting that on your bill. The most cunty
1: people, the most irritating people so far have been the real estate speculators from Illinois that don't know what they're getting into uh, when they buy into the Michigan market, so... Yeah, they, they expect, oh, it's Michigan, they're poor here, so I can, I can <laughs> hire a contractor tomorrow. Well, any contractor worth a damn in the southern half of the of the state of Michigan is booked until 2019 right now. Because everybody that hasn't been able to make all of the construction plans that they want for uh, as a result of this economic depression, there's a bunch of money in Michigan now. Like, we're doing all right. So all these contractors are just booked solid. So these people are coming over here. They think they're going to flip a house in three months. And it ends up being a two-year process.
0: Yeah. You know. But
1: yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how long you want to talk about real estate
0: photography. Well, well let's move on. <laughs> yeah. I want to, to add on to the rival thing. is that I've never been in that. Rivalry? I Rivals. or, But uh, I've never been in that business. But my brother used to be. He's, mm-hmm. He used to be a salesman. Here in Grand Rapids, actually, mm-hmm. uh, he, he he used to basically like was a salesman. He would like sell supplies and parts. Like, he would go someplace, be like, okay, you need how many pounds of screws? Sure. And stuff like that. But uh, they would have their territories. Other contractors would have their territories, but sometimes they would intersect. Mm-hmm. My brother has numerous stories about him like having to run in with rival companies. You know, like, oh, yeah. these guys would act tough. One particular instance, I guess, like, my brother made a big sale, so it's like, fuck yeah. You know, fist pump when you get into your truck. Yeah. He is passing by one of his rivals, the guy just death glares him, slows down, and then, big middle finger, sped away.
1: No, dude, there's none of that. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, I have colleagues that have the same position as me, but like... Um, there's a couple of us that do west of 131 there's a couple of us that do east of 131 like it's di- it's divided up in a couple different ways it's also based on like where everybody lives cause like some people live closer to Battle Creek some people live closer to like Paw Paw Lakeshore area like they'll so since it's easy for me to get on I-94 and 131 I kinda like live near the T of those roads like or the intersection of those roads. It's easy for me to get anywhere in the state on the southern half, really. Yep. So, you know, Kalamazoo is sort of uniquely poised to cover a lot of territory. So there's there's five, five photographers with this company, four of which are active. And we basically got, like, a guy that does east. You know, we basically cover, like, east to I-69 west to Lake Michigan and then from the Kent County line south to the state line so that's kind of like our chunk of the state of Michigan that we operate in and I take mainly the western half of that so like I'll be going to like I was in Plainwell this week I was in uh St. Joseph this week I was in I'll be in South Haven two weeks from now and that's just what I have booked. You
0: know, it changes every day. Yeah. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, the this is a plug actually for Alan Blatt Media Group. If you have your own uh, media needs, photography, video, yeah, editing, hit up Zach. Uh, yeah. We'll do those plugs at the end of the show. But yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, you are available for work outside that. Yeah, right?
1: I'm, I'm available for all kinds of work. Um, I kind of, my objective at this point is to sort of offer a one-stop shop kind of a la carte services so like i've i'm doing contract web design work i'm doing contract uh graphic design i've done um like uh, catalog images i've done restaurant menus i've done people's logos i did yep. a logo for you i've done other people's logos um but
0: yep. ladies and gentlemen. The- Terrific logo for the Shelkey podcast. Was created by Zach Elmbland. Yeah, original idea, original image, do not steal. Yeah. But but yeah, everyone, so hit up Zach for your yeah. uh laid needs. Unless you unless I'm specifically working with him on a project, but then you offer something that's higher paying in value, uh go fuck yourself though.
1: <laughs> well I, I appreciate all <laughs> all forms of currency, high and low.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, I, I I like to work for money.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, don't we all? But, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, it's been like three weeks. I should contact Zach on how he's doing with the formatting. Yeah. I get on there, hey Zach, how's it going? Oh, dude, I'm really sorry, but this guy at this shop offered me a grant to work on his menus. You know, I had to push yours to the side. I feel like, god yeah. damn it, I should have done that promo on my <laughs> podcast. I
1: would be a bit more <laughs> ecumenical about it, but there has to be some kind of shuffling that goes. on. I know, bit. I know, I, I kid. Like, well, of course, yeah. I, you know, we're it's all in good fun here, but like I've been trying to, to release some videos on my like personal YouTube page, YouTube.com/slash Zach Um Very, very uh, nice insert yeah, there. You know, I, well. I I don't even want to plug it because I have barely anything up, you know. But no. my, what I've been trying to talk about lately. Wait, was, you
0: you do got a lot on there actually. Eh, you true. you got music videos from from Conrad Tweet Man, Three Mile Island, your previous uh, yep. metal project. Yep. You have all episodes of your previous podcast. Yep. And then just some. uh... You got some ra- like random videos, I believe travel videos. Travels, videos. Love,
1: like my student work is up there too. Yep.
0: And. Um, uh, you also have some random rant videos, which are great. Yeah. Because you, sure. you sing there, you know, you light a cigarette dramatically, <laughs> then you're like, you got to do what you got to do in life. Basically, <laughs> that's
1: what I was about to bring up, is like, I've been trying to talk about an approach to living that is conducive to being an entrepreneur, or like, to making your, like, dreams of doing what you want for a living a reality. And since I'm, like, sort of living that right now, I want to, like, offer the chance for, like, people to get up to my level, and I also want to start interacting with people that are a higher level on this, like, whatever goal, this ladder, imaginary ladder that we're all climbing, you know, um, like, I, I want to be more successful, but for that, but that means to me that I encounter more and more capable people in my life and, and make connections between them. So it's all like now I understand when people talk about how, like, being successful is all about networking, or like it's about like relationships and, and establishing um, good working relationships. Well, it's really true, you know, if you have a reputation for doing shitty work, people will not hire you to do work that they don't want to be shitty. So if you...
0: Well, it also depends on your personality, because... Yeah, it at depends least, on a lot of things. Yeah, at least here in Kalamazoo, won't name names, because we're talking shit, but <laughs> yeah. we, we know plenty of people that do technically good work in one way or another, mm-hmm. but they're just horrible people. Yeah, and
1: I mean, that's that's kind of why I got approached to to do this job, you know, it wasn't an overnight thing. It's not like I answered an ad, an ad on Craigslist. You know, I had to be at a certain level in my life and in my career before I was even exposed to... The opportunity to do this, like I had to be a photographer, I had to have an office. Oh yeah, I had to have a location. And, and, and you a personal got and, and, and you got the education. Yeah, you got degrees
0: and awards and stuff. Yeah, like that. see, you got association associate of. Oh god, I can't read it from here.
1: <laughs> it's an associate of applied science
0: from Calhoun okay. Valley Community College, which I attended one semester of here <laughs> to get a math a math uh, class out of the way because it wasn't as hard as the ones at Western. So thank you, Kalamazoo Valley. Kalamazoo Valley does
1: a good job, dude. You know they were uh, they were working uh, at one time to get uh, international accreditation for their um, media arts school. So they have a campus, uh, a specialized campus in downtown Kalamazoo yep. that is only for. The media arts, but right.
0: yeah, that's the one right on the mall, right there. Yeah, right? yeah yep, exactly. that one,
1: and that's that's where my classes were. That's the, the building where the technology is. Yeah, my,
0: yeah, mine was like in the building right along the Kalamazoo River.
1: Anna Witten Hall. Yeah,
0: yeah and uh, yeah, I do got a story out of that. Was uh, my very first day, to for that for that uh, class, I accidentally went out to the main campus, which is on. Ashutamo yeah, Township? Texas Courage. Texas, Texas yeah. yeah, I go there, and, like, I'm wondering where it goes, so I asked the person, like, who I guess was doing registrations or some shit. I asked them, uh, hey, uh, where's, hey, I'm here for this class. Uh, which way do I go for it? They're like, oh, that's in the downtown campus. And the class was starting. My heart dropped. I'm like, oh, shit. Because I took that stuff very seriously back then. Sure. But then she was like, but that class was canceled for some reason. So I got out of it. Nice. But by then I go out, I walk out. You know, she gave me like a book with like the class listings and whatnot. No, the class, no, what every college gives you for like with class descriptions and shit. Yeah. I'm walking out of there. And then I see my ex-girlfriend with her new boyfriend just Walking up the way. What is
1: this high school shit, man?
0: (laughs) It is, kind of. And I stop, and it's one of the few times where I said out loud, you have got to be fucking kidding me. Uh. And then, and she actually got fatter, I think. Because both her and her boyfriend are kind of like waddling towards me. I'm like, shit, shit. God
1: bless them and their tortoise figure.
0: Exactly. (laughs) So I did the most intelligent thing is that, I made, like, a uh, classic 1940s movie character, and I just put the catalog up to my face, pretending like I'm reading it, you know, covering my entire vision, and I just walk past them out into this busy parking lot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And it
0: worked. I haven't (laughs) seen either of them since. Nice. The end.
1: That's a good ex-girlfriend encounter story. The the best ex-girlfriend encounter story I have recently... (laughs) Is I ran into one of my exes as I was um, shooting photos at a concert, and you know, like when we left, it was like a couple weeks when when we broke up or whatever. When she moved out, um, it was close to when I was graduating, and. I mean, this is gonna like narrow it down to a very specific person, but she knows what the fuck she did.
0: Oh uh, like, she—I I don't know her. She probably won't listen to this podcast. No, probably not. Whatever. Or, who cares if she did? Or she somehow sees it, like I tag you in the post. Hey episode. girl, you know who you are. And no, hey, no. Be like, okay. oh, what's this? My, my ex. My ex-boyfriend, Zach, is on this podcast. 100% oh, he's a, she
1: stalks me. Oh, he, 100%. 100%. He, he is,
0: oh, we may have broken up, but I still think he's a good guy who won't talk shit about me on any podcast in any way. Well, if I will you listen hear the
1: story, I'm, I, I, you know, she knows what she's, she deserves. So, okay, what happened? I, I ran into her, and basically the conversation went, oh, what do you do now? Oh, I'm a photographer. Oh, so you got what you wanted then. And that was a spiteful comment. Wow. That was not, like, supposed to be helpful. Like... The, the concept was, that she was basically saying, okay, so it ended up working out for you to spend more time on your career than, <laughs> than me. Plus, and, it was
0: probably said very dismissively. It was
1: very dismissive. And I said, yeah, I am. I'm happy. I got a studio downtown. It's, it's no big deal. Like, it's nice to see you, whatever. Like We gave each other a hug, whatever. Uh, you know, a, a,
0: very, a very awkward a hug. A very
1: awkward, very
0: public hug. And the type where you don't actually hug each other, but yeah. you put your arms around each other, you like you pat them on the back. Yeah, there
1: was yeah there was you know some uh, like friendly friendly shoulder patting happened, you know. But when I went to my truck at the end of the night, there was an entire bottle of hand lotion squeezed on the windshield, Ugh. which you know I can't I can't necessarily say that it was her a hundred percent because you know there's no video evidence or anything, but it was like surprisingly. Quickly after she left, that I went out there and discovered this had happened, oh. and you know she recognizes my vehicle because she spent a lot of time in that vehicle, and uh, you know so whatever. There's lotion smeared all over my my uh, my windshield and. It took me maybe 10 to 15 minutes to clean it off. Oh, poor 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 <laughs> yeah. pauper. Well, you know, she didn't do anything. She didn't fucking cut my tires or anything like that, you know. Well, like, let's not
0: give her ideas for you know, next she, time.
1: So, trust me, this girl is devious. Like she can think of plenty plenty of ways to mess with people. Like she's not she doesn't she doesn't always exhibit the tendencies of the uh, nicest person in, in the world, <laughs> but yes, and, and, at yes, any rate,
0: yes, uh, this is my ex. She's the nicest person in the world. I just happen to break up with her. Yeah, <laughs> well, because yeah. she's so fucking nice. Uh, hey,
1: admittedly, a lot of that is on me. There's two sides to all these stories. Oh, yeah. You know, me as an adult, I or like more of an advanced adult or whatever the hell you want to say. Um, like I, I can certainly you know that I, I had some error in those situations, but...
0: Very humble of you. We were kids. Well, uh, I do have actually a semi-more horrifying story than that would have happened with a previous girlfriend back in high school, actually. We, uh, broke up. Me and this, uh, one girl. I won't say her name. <clears throat> Listen to the first podcast. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, she uh, basically broke up, and uh, then she kind of got into a relationship with a guy who actually used to beat the shit out of me back in elementary school. What? Like, he is one of these guys who came from, you know, classic shitty home, had rage issues. Yeah. He's the kind of guy, like, I remember one time in elementary I was standing watching a group of kids play soccer or whatever. He comes up to me and says... Hey, Gary, you want to beat the shit out of those kids? Just out of nowhere. And, and I used to get a lot of fights and shit back in elementary school. And at this time, I was learning that... Oh, what was that?
1: My computer doing strange things. Or
0: or it could be that ghost.
1: Yeah, the, the pottery ghost. Like yeah. in that movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's creating its own uh, playlist on your style <laughs> yeah. Anyway... I was then just starting to learn consequences of my actions growing in elementary school. strong so, lesson to learn. So I was like, uh, no guy who who beats me up on the regular. You know, I don't want to go out and fight people because I'll get detention. Then I won't be able to play my Super Nintendo for a while With my mom <laughs> be mad. And then, he just, you know, I'm literally explaining to him like this. I'm acting very Woody Allenish, you know, where I'm like dun, 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 dun. Nah, I can't do this and then exactly. I do this thing for exactly. the whole reason and so, the story. Yeah, so I'm doing my Woody Allen spiel and then he promptly punches me in the fucking face. <laughs> he he like gets down, punches me in the face some more, then leaves. So That I mean, kid just
1: wanted to punch.
0: Oh yeah, he's a fucking nut job and <laughs> I think he may be back I don't know. Maybe he's still. Maybe he's out of prison now. But anyway, he basically got out of like some, some uh, juvenile detention up in the UP, and then he was back in Alpina. And my girlfriend and I broke up. She decided to hook up with him. So I'm just like on my Yahoo, Yahoo Messenger at the time. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah, that's a throwback right there. But uh, I then get a message from some random person saying. Hey, I'm gonna to come to your house and fucking kill you tonight. Oh, great! And then I—I I don't know who this is. I'm trying to inquire. They're all mysterious. Like, you don't know me, and you won't—you won't see me coming. So there's no reason for me to tell you my identity. Oh man! So <laughs> then we stuck. We started talking. He's like, "You don't know the pain that I've been through." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, dude. I've Whatever, had, oh well, dude, I've had some fucked up shit in my life." Blah blah blah. He's like. Don't you try fucking compare yourself to me. You're a dead man. So of course I took this very seriously because I did not know how the internet worked back then. So I tell my mom, Mom, which by the way, I was trying to figure out who it is. Then I remember this this, you know, guy hook who used to beat me up, hook up my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh shit, him. So I tell my mom, and this guy gave a specific time he could be more cliche either Right. I'm coming to your house at midnight and killing you so I literally wait my mom and I wait up till midnight to see if this nut job that I thought it was would show up and at least try to break in Right. he didn't then I confronted my ex via Yahoo Messenger the next night and be like uh, hey, yeah I told him like hey I think your ex is threatening me and of course she got pissed because, you know, how dare you, you know, he just got out of jail, you know, he's such a nice guy, you're just projecting. Oh, well, not um, pro- she didn't use the word project, but it was something like that.
1: Yeah, she was describing what would later be known as pro- projecting.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that that was my, so that's kind of my equivalent to your lotion story.
1: Yeah, dude, I mean, whatever, let the let the little girl go, I I got no reason to be mad at her, dude, at least she didn't smash the windshield, you know, she just fucking put lotion on it, and it was a pain in the ass, and, like, it's it's just kind of like a childish prank, like, it's, I, I saw it as an equivalent of, like, sticking out her tongue at me in passing.
0: Like, or it's her yeah. sending you some kind of message, like, yeah, you know, you could have had me, but... Here's some whatever, lotion, because all you have is your hands. Yeah,
1: I don't think that it was that involved. I think she just was thinking about whatever she could squirt. Like, she had lotion,
0: so she squirted it on my truck.
1: Like, whatever, dude. Or it could have
0: been like a like, yeah, brilliant idea for a sexual message there. Who
1: knows, dude? That
0: girl's. Was... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk... Okay, so... So this year, besides... ...having an awkward encounter with an ex. Yeah. Yeah, so you have your media group here, which has been very successful. Yeah, surprisingly so, successful. Still so, so ongoing. You, me, so. you have your contracting job, which has mm-hmm. been going very well for you. Congratulations, mm-hmm. homie. Thank you. And also, uh, you've... T- that's another thing, I, another thing I like to talk about is your travels this yeah. year. Like, you went back to South America. Right? I did. Yes, I, I sense some hesitation on your part here.
1: Well, you know, there—it's really there's not a whole lot to talk about with my second trip to South America because it was really the only vacation that I've taken this year, and so I really kind of sat on ass. Like I, I hung out with this guy named Clint from somewhere in England, and he, like, he was a funny story, dude. He came in, like, he looked sick as a dog when he came in, but he was the only other visitor at the hostel that was uh, English speaking and the girls that I went to Peru with this time you know this was kind of their vacation time too so they slept a lot you know um, they weren't used to the altitude so they kind of had a hard time moving around and I'm used to that shit so I'd be up at seven in the morning six in the morning like going to the market and getting juice and like drinking coffee like I did a lot that's 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 the thing that I did most. On my trip to South America most recently was get up early as balls, drink espresso and pineapple juice, and then walk around. That's really the extent of what I
0: did. Well, yeah, this is vastly different than the previous adventure you told me of, yeah, well, of last yeah. year, which yeah. I think involved a hostel, some... Well, I always say uh, hostels, Some but... uh yeah, some, chemi- sorts, some chemicals yeah, There was all sorts of and, uh, madness Madness, madness to Peru. Some, some guy offering to suck your dick oh, Is that oh. it? Or am I mixing up your adventures? Wow I you know. Oh, that was on the Appalachian Trail I think. Oh, Wait no Some guy be like Let me suck your dick white man Oh, that was in Belize. Dude. God damn that it! That was in Belize. Yeah. Oh, no, that guy uh, was
1: very weird. My, my, uh, my apologies.
0: Though. I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting your sexual harassment stories mixed up.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, dude. No, that was the like, Rasta guy in Belize. Yeah, he was like, I want to suck your fucking dick, white guy. Like. Oh, man, that was crazy. Like, he's yelling this from the third floor balcony as me and my buddy are walking away, having just checked out of their hostel, going to another hostel. He's like, I want to suck your dick. (laughs) Okay, this is very bizarre.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, actually, uh, okay, where is Belize exactly?
1: Belize is on the eastern coast of Central America, directly south of the Yucatan Peninsula in
0: Mexico. Okay, so, uh... Okay, I guess this kind of goes back to the Americas book. Yeah. How, how many how many uh, Amer- countries in the Americas have you stayed in? Sure. Uh, and I mean like stayed in, not just like you passed through and yeah yeah out. exactly
1: yeah no Canada Belize and Peru that's it. Um. So yeah, my my travels are super limited in North Central and South America. Well, not North America. I've been all the hell over North America, but um.
0: Oh yeah. You have a particular attachment to South Carolina, I believe? North Carolina.
1: Yeah, North yeah South- that's my jam. I like North Carolina. Yeah,
0: yeah. How did that come about? Like, how- I've just
1: been there so much. You know, I had friends that lived there. I have friends that live there now. Um, I wrote about North Carolina in Borderline Vagabond because one of my friends that we kind of had that same, like, coming-of-age realiza- realization around the same time, um, He was living in North Carolina, directly after having lived in Washington D.C. So, when I was like crazy about politics, and I ended up going to uh, the Barack Obama's first inauguration in 2009, um, like he and I really established this sort of like this depth of our friendship that um, got it to this point where. Like, I would just go visit him in the place. Like, he has a family now. I don't see I haven't seen him in years. But I still talk to the guy. Like, there's just something that we sparked in those couple of years there where, like, we both had this sense of adventure for the world around us that was not being, like, satisfied by normal life. And so he ended up going in a different way with it than I did. But we got, we we had this really crazy weekend with some uh strippers man and like it became the book right like it it wasn't it's not nearly as like uh dramatic or like weird as the book made it sound and like parts of that book are made up and like i even talk about it in the book like it's not reality it's it's, uh, it's a representation of what reality
0: is. Well, heard, it's, a lot, you know. it's a lot like, you know, the work that Kerouac or Hunter yeah, Thompson yeah, so, did.
1: Which, I'm, I mean, you read it and, and you can... say I wear those influences on my sleeve. I'm not ashamed of it at all. But, yeah, the, like well, the Dula's Legend, or however you pronounce it. Oh, uh, Jack Kerouac wrote all those books. Yeah, the Dula's yeah, Legend. Yeah, yeah
0: it it was just... T- it, Actually that's yeah. when I first met you, was that I kinda thought you of a mixture of Hunter Thompson and Joe Rogan.
1: Right and i I'll take that happily, you know. Yeah. I, I, I see what you mean when you say that yeah. and I don't, take it. You yeah, yeah.
0: The only you know? difference is, is that you're not pounding wild turkey and you're not shelling no, for man. you're not shilling for on it. Yeah, I'm not
1: <laughs> shilling for mushroom brain pills. And I definitely am yeah, this not po- an alcoholic. Yeah, this but...
0: podcast is brought to you by Super Brain Pills. Yeah, no, if I just work d- a lot, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug Sandhope, did you know that if you take these pills, they will expand your mind? And you can learn a lot of shit with them. Oh, give me 12. <laughs> <laughs> God. I, no. would, I always wonder if, like, with Rogan, if he, like, ever had, like, a product he endorsed on there, but then it turned out to be bullshit.
1: Oh, I think there was, dude. I think that he was promoting a coffee for a while uh, that was, like, supposed to be... It, it wasn't the butter coffee, the, the um, MCT oil coffee. It was something else, and it was, like, shit, a shit product, and it wasn't actually <laughs> organic or something. Like, yeah. there was some sort of controversy, and he dropped it like a hot potato. Okay. Well, I mean, good for Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah,
0: I love I love Rogan.
1: A lot of Joe Rogan's stuff is unlistenable to me now. Just really? because, Yeah, he's become this... Uh, He's outgrown his his own ability, I think. Like, uh, I don't even want to be saying mean things about Joe Rogan because I still watch all that stuff. I still listen to it, but it's not as like after after a thousand episodes, Joe Rogan podcast has become an institution. Like he has. Oh yeah, he's you
0: know, he's without a doubt, I think one of the greatest podcasters of all time. Yeah, no question. Even, even if yeah. he didn't reach a thousand, he would still be up there. He's yeah.
1: And I guess what I mean by that, then to elaborate, is is really that the guests that he has on, he doesn't know them as well as he had known his previous guests, which were mainly just his friends. So it, I'm not talking about when he's interviewing comedians or when he's talking. Oh about yeah, those flights. are those are
0: still the yeah. best ones, actually. Right,
1: yeah, I'm talking about when he's talking to doctors and climate change specialists and like Milo. Oh god. His, like, he, you know, he. He ends up becoming a tool of these like social media people, and and it sucks because Joe might just be having his friends put these these connections in, or he he's getting cold called from um, uh, uh, publicity agents and things yeah. like that. But
0: well, well, if that's actually true, you and I could probably try get on the we podcast. should yeah yeah, I'll, yeah we I'll should fly out
1: to L A. And, yeah. and talk to Joe Rogan. I'm, I wonder how many comment how how many. Intro, like podcasts that are getting started actually do say those exact words. Like, oh, let's try to get on Joe Rogan's podcast. Well, we're saying it now. Yeah, so, I'll go on Joe, Joe Rogan's podcast, yeah. of course, if I'm ever in the Why wouldn't
0: I? Well, that's another thing that well, there's two ways that Rogan influenced me on this podcast. The first one is, uh, I don't know if we'll do it yet because it's all spontaneous, but I did it on the last podcast with Adam where I'm like, Oh, yeah, it's like this guy, Shoe Nice. I never heard of him. Oh, let's watch this video. No. Because <laughs> Rogan does that too. It's, it's yeah. kind of become a meme, like, Jamie pulled that up. Yeah, little so, Jamie, young Jamie. Yeah, so using media and like showing you stuff online while we record reactions real time, mm-hmm. that's been one influence. Yeah. And uh, another thing I'm going to do, maybe within the next week or two, is that. To help promote the podcast and that, I want to take out, like, specific clips and then, like, show them like that. Oh, sure, yeah. Like, like, I don't know, it would be depending on, like, how interesting it is. Like, for example, if I were to take out the whole contractor dialogue that we had with you, mm-hmm. I would then put that up. Yeah. And put, like, G- Gareth Shalke podcast, so... GSP clips. Yep. yep. Powerful GSP. Yeah.
1: Powerful GSP. <laughs> All right. We got Zach Elmblad talking.
0: about... Powerful Zach Elmblad. fuck yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna plagiarize everything. Joe Rogan. It,
1: if he's it, a dynamic personality. I mean, it, it, there's nothing wrong in trying to emulate Joe Rogan or nah. or in trying to. Um, like look up to him. Like he's a, a good person to look up to. He's a successful man. He's a, a quality well, family the thing, person. The,
0: the thing I do like most about his podcast, besides those two things, is that uh, I really do think Rogan has the ability as an interviewer slash podcaster to basically bring out the best in his guests. Absolutely. Whether it's like an old friend like Doug Stanhope or a uh, Joey Diaz, like getting mm-hmm. good stories out of them, good camaraderie. Or even if he gets people that you don't like Like, Milo Yiannopoulos yeah. That guy's fucking trash But uh, and not have and you an
1: opinion on
0: oh, dude. that kind of stuff Oh, dude uh, Well, recently they actually had a uh, his ed, He put out a book called Dangerous That was self-published mm-hmm. It actually, I think, went to No, not Barnes & Noble ran, it's, some, it's one of the big publishing houses they eventually refused to publish it because everyone's like, "Hey, uh, have you looked at this recording where he's saying that adults having sex with young boys is cool?"
1: Oh yeah, there was that whole thing. Yeah, yeah
0: Joe, Joe Rogan listening. was even like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, right? you doing, dude? <laughs> yeah, but anyway, they recently released uh, edits that they show like the editing that they've done in the books, and they were showing like the notes that was like, "Yeah, you need to back this up." Yeah, you don't need to put down feminists or trash in this. It has no reason <laughs> to be in this. But anyway, non sequitur. But anyway, uh, yeah. So whether it's his old friends or like even guys you don't like, like Milo, I think he does bring out like the best in people, one way or another. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the things I don't like about it is that uh, he's a shea drunk. Yeah. Yeah, like he can get uber aggressive when he's drunk.
1: What? Yeah, I, I sort of identify with that a little bit too, man. Like as you mentioned at the top of the uh, of the podcast, like uh, about like drinking on New Year's Eve and stuff. Oh I'm, god! For for most for the most part, like with the exception of every once in a while, I'm pretty much sober at this point. Like oh. it it's becoming very difficult in adulthood to like manage even having just a couple of beers without just being a complete fucking train wreck. Both during the time that I'm intoxicated and during the 24-hour period afterward. Well, so. it's,
0: it's not so much the train wreck, it's just that these aggressive, mean drunks. Yeah. That's kind of what Rogan gets. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. there's a famous one where he was arguing with a guest about marijuana legalization, and this guy wasn't for it. And granted, his arguments were fucking dumb. Yeah. It's, it's most of the stuff that we've seen numerous times.
1: Gateway Yeah,
0: that stuff. But, but Rogan, I guess, was just like really drunk when this was going on. He got into a very aggressive argument, mm-hmm. and it got so bad that Rogan even, even actually, legitimately apologized via you know Facebook and Twitter and that. Yeah. So there's that. Well, I mean, there's so
1: much to be said by the strength of his character by doing something like that because being able to like. First of all, you don't need to apologize for everything that you do in your life unless it's deserved. You know, you don't need to preemptively apologize because that devalues what ends up being an honest apology when you have actually fucked up. And if he was actually being aggressive towards somebody, then, you know, by all means, like, yeah. it's good to Actually,
0: shit, I might as well just bring it up. You've never if seen if it, right? want to, yeah, it's fine. Might as well. Yeah. Uh, we've been going an hour. We should take a break and do the reaction thing. The other, the only other. Was it. The bad lip reading Donald Trump? Yeah, whatever. But, uh. The only other thing I don't like is that, uh. He seems to, like, get into tirades about the universe and yeah, existence. Yeah, I that. <laughs> know okay. Number one. Number one. It's, uh, and he, he likes to inject it in shit that doesn't really need to be in it. Mm-hmm. Like, he has this, uh. guy he. Oh wait, well, I just put in Joe Rogan fights. It has like his fight on fear factor where he tried to beat up a guest.
1: Uh, that's funny.
0: But uh but yeah, he'll uh probably like interject these really esoteric, otherworldly uh arguments into like conversations that really uh, I'm spelling marijuana wrong. Marijuana there we go. Steve Crowder. That was it. Okay. Yeah, But base, basically it ended. He'll like interject in these, this shit into arguments that really don't need it about the human consciousness and all that. It's like, dude, the art, the conversation is much more simpler than this. So Mr. yeah. Well, my, you I, like, said I'm right wing, If you had to, like, if you go, damn, I, maybe I
1: went too far down
0: this road. Okay, okay uh. So the last Very quickly everyone, we're watching Joe Rogan versus Steven Crowder, heated argument over marijuana. Let's play a few minutes of it. Turmeric, I don't like this guy's it's I admittedly don't like the whole it-, it helps cancer argument, but that's, I'll tell that later. Sure. yeah just stay the out of the can drugs they've gone through the process the you, can't can't really the point you can't Joe hey dude
1: So they, well, not that, not that but there are absolutely people who have lobbied, as we talked about how the prison guard union has lobbied to keep marijuana illegal. There's absolutely true. Yeah, really true. the same thing it was revealed in the WikiLeaks memos. This is where I would say it was Joe oh, Carrot. Oh, where oh, said where are mind. you Why doing? Get frustrated like Why that. Are you and, you uh, what are you doing, so Joe? You're
0: See, Joe doesn't even look like he's getting excited over telling that little show. Jamie just looked that up. <laughs>
1: Well, this this is really funny considering literally two days from now that uh, recreational marijuana is legal and neither one of these people's arguments fucking matter at all. Yeah, uh, and actually in California. Yeah, if
0: we look at others like Stephen Crower has his own thing where Joe and Crower talk pot debate where they just talk about how they just yelled at each other.
1: Yeah, dude, I mean, it's it's so easy to acknowledge. I bet even 20 minutes after that, they were like, oh, fuck, dude, we just yeah. screamed at each other over the internet well, for hours.
0: Well, this is a 40-minute th- video, so I'm not going to play it sure. at all. But, uh, yeah, it gets really hyper-aggressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny for you and I, because we're watching, but, God, can you imagine, you, you know, you've been invited on the podcast, and then you just got this really drunk host just really aggressive with you. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, especially We're awkward.
1: Especially someone who has a reputation for being a really good interviewer too. Yeah,
0: I guess we all have our off days, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Hell yeah.
1: I mean I yeah, I've got off days too. I know.
0: Plus it kinda asks my own personal theory. There's two things I believe about myself, fully believe. Two things. One I'm the only good driver in this world. <laughs> this was kind of exemplified by me coming here again today because I saw about three cars in the ditch. Well, you only saw three? Anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's pretty clear up until Plainwell, I'm like, how did you crash on these roads? And the other thing is that I am the only good drunk in this world. <laughs> like, I'm really the only one that, unless you obviously provoke me or something, I'm super happy. I get conversational. Like, yeah... Everyone else just gets mean and angry and wants to fight everyone. I just yeah. don't get it, man.
1: Yeah, I don't know. The alcohol thing, it, it affects me differently nowadays than it did as a kid or, or in my 20s. Like I don't know. Yeah. It's just a personal thing. I, I don't have any, like, moral arguments against drinking. Like, drinking's awesome.
0: Like, well, but... me neither. My big thing is actually Bukowski back in the day. Mm-hmm. I was watching his favorite his famous documentary about him born into this he he recalls uh, why he likes drinking I don't remember the entire thing but basically he equated drinking to a sympathy and he was an alcoholic functioning technically a functioning alcoholic technically he even almost died where like his guts basically exploded due to drinking so much it's a famous story too by the way it's actually what led him to writing poetry because afterwards he just started writing that but the thing with Bukowski compared to like a lot of other drunks is that I, is that, at least from my interpretation, he thought of it as a good thing. Like he didn't think about it as a crutch or addiction or anything. And that's and yeah, he did get mean obviously at times, yeah. but for the most part, yeah, he he's technically a good drunk and that's kinda how why I don't think I'm that bad when I drink, because I view it as a good thing overall. Yeah. It also doesn't it also helps too is that I'm not a hard liquor guy. Like I'm more into beer, especially whether they're crappy beers like PPR or or you know uh, King Cobra. <laughs> Occasionally a cult forty five if I'm feel adventurous. <laughs> and like craft beer, i I'm, I'm not the pretentious craft beer hipster guy, but I still do enjoy trying stuff out. Sure. I just never gain a taste for like hard liquor or anything. Mm. I did. Maybe, like, the closest I've done was, like, screwdrivers.
1: Oh, man, I was drinking bottles of vodka and Jägermeister, like, the whole thing. Jägermeister. I just the whole thing. I I did, I explored alcohol to the furthest reaches of its exploration. (laughs) Like, I I have done the alcohol thing. Um, And, of course, I'm not, like, going to stop drinking either. Like, it's just more like my ability to, like have a night of drinking and recover easily or quickly is gone so like i either have to be in a place like on vacation where i can drink all night and like i'm not gonna have to be responsible for like being on the phone for a couple of hours (laughs) with like high profile clients some of which are millionaires like (laughs) i just can't do that anymore like
0: wait um, you used to do that previously just be drunk and talk to
1: Oh yeah, dude. I mean, I would go to work drunk. I would, oh, all, okay. all of it, dude. Like, I, I was a, I was a wreck in my early twenties. Like, I mean, there, there, that's in the books too. Like, I, I, I will readily admit that. Like, I was a fucked up drunk for a like, large so part of my early twenties. would you 20s.
0: consider yourself an alcoholic?
1: Like, no, no, I would not. Because,
0: because when an I consider alcoholic. alcoholic, I consider like the physical addiction. No, I just
1: stopped. Like I once I realized it, well, I didn't like mess anything up. I didn't like hurt anybody or anything. I just like started noticing that like my ability to maintain my like my ethics and my personality while I was under the influence of alcohol just became much more different, like, much more difficult. So now it's really all about set and setting for when I choose to consume alcohol, because I'll only do it in like a party, happy, fun time atmosphere, because if I do it in any other context, it often like makes me super depressed, not, not because of like the immediacy of the situation that I'm presented with, but more like how like the the neural pathways of like being a sad drunk in my early twenties when all my friends were killing themselves. Like it just, my brain uh, goes back to that. So like, well, it
0: sounds like yeah. you had outside factor. With oh that. yeah, so, sure.
1: Yeah. But no, I don't consider myself an alcoholic. I've never been to any stupid meetings or like, I've never been like, well, I've never had lo- trouble with the law as a result of alcoholism or like driven drunk. Well, I just like, didn't. well, like so
0: I personally consider alcoholism be like the physical addiction, like yeah. you need to drink, or you need to get the, you get the shakes. Yeah. And I haven't drank in. Oh, I think
1: the last I had a PBR when we played at Mulligan's last week Thursday. That's the last time I drank.
0: Yeah, very very hardcore drinking going yeah, on. There.
1: exactly. Yeah, dude. Well, it was free, so what the hell am I gonna
0: do? Oh, well, I know something <laughs> weird. This uh, past Christmas weekend with drinking with mm-hmm. me, I don't know why, but uh, Christmas Eve and on Christmas. Drinking just made me incredibly tired. (laughs) And I mean, like, I mean, it does technically make you tired, but, like, I only had, like, three or maybe four drinks in, and I was like...
1: Right? Just right to sleep?
0: I mean, the first night on Christmas Eve, we have a Christmas Eve party. Mm -hmm. My mom, like, we prepare for it, we cook food. This year around, it was, like, a barbecue pulled pork, a shrimp, and few other Mm. few other great things and I think I ate too much of that and it kind of gave me a stomach ache but then the beer made me sleepy Mm. so I like fell asleep in my chair while the party was going on and then I wake up and they're like oh hi Gary you missed the party it was like two hours later I mean the stomach ache was gone Right. then the next night I was at my grandma Mary's house uh, I was like two craft beers in. I was drinking Goose Island's Green Line, one of my favorite drinks. And uh, two beers in, I suddenly start feeling tired. Like I want to immediately go sleep. And I was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like,
1: yeah, I don't know. It's maybe it might be a physiological change for me too. Like, maybe my I don't. I have the ability to metabolize alcohol as quickly or something, but it just feels differently to me, like, in in terms of how alcohol affects my, my life, or not necessarily my life, like, in the abstract, but, like, my perception of the world around me while I'm under the influence of it. Like, after I've consumed alcohol, the world doesn't seem the same way that it used to seem to me while I was drinking alcohol. Like, it's just, it's a different feeling than it was before, and it's not not quite as enjoyable or fun and it's more like terrible and anxiety ridden than anything else.
0: <laughs> yeah, I never really had that when I was drinking in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's like Bukowski is more ecstatic, like have fun, felt looser, felt easier talking to people. That's where I like I had a lot of my hookup a lot of my hookups back in the day was cause I really could do that whole suave, you know, hey it's up yeah, it worked too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I
1: was a drunk, dude, like drunk, drunk, like drinking a fifth a day, drunk. Like, yeah,
0: I was. Cl- yeah, I'm not even that. Was not, not never that close. Yeah,
1: but I I still at that time wouldn't have considered myself an alcoholic. Like, and and I mean, uh, there's all sorts of psychological approaches people take to to deciding that they have a problem with substance abuse or with with you know, the abuse of alcohol and I'm certain, like, of course, like, my story is not everybody's story and, like, as the, the casual, like, preemptive clause, like, I do not suggest that you drink every day and drink a fifth in a day, like, it's really dangerous and, and if you do, though, don't, don't make it into a thing where you feel so sorry about yourself that you can't change and, and that that's the way that things always have to be, like, you don't always have to drink a fifth in a day, dude. Like you don't just you just don't have to do it. Like drink a half of a fifth in a day oh. and then start trailing down from there. You know what I mean? Like just it, yeah, it just drink just, that yeah, just drink half of it. <laughs> just just you know over the course of time decrease the amount of yeah of for real though that you're
0: yeah for real folks don't do cold turkey if, no. if you believe that's a good idea watch the movie version of Train Spotting. Cool. Where, where they yeah, or cool. the Easy yeah thing. yeah where they force the main character the parents force the main character just into a room yeah. and that he's like seeing creatures crawling along walls and shit. Yeah.
1: That, well the whole argument but the begin with is that your health is is the most important part of all this and and that should be the reason that you're not doing all this stuff like the The reason that I don't drink and drive is because I really like being alive, and I want to continue. Oh, to be same alive, here. You know?
0: I've only yeah. I've only done two drunk drivings once, and they're both stupid. One of them I was coming back from uh, God, I forget where Holland, I think. Mm-hmm. So that was stupid, and the second one was like I, was, I walked home after a night drinking downtown Grand Rapids. This was before I got all into Uber and that. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm really hungry. I should go to yes or Dog, But I don't feel like walking 15 minutes to Easttown. Fuck it. I'll drive. Yeah. And I did indeed drive and I got my food. As I'm eating my food back home while watching YouTube, I'm like, God, that was a fucking stupid idea. I should never do that again. And I never have.
1: And that's the thing, man. Like... I don't know. Whatever, alcohol is bad. It has good things about it, but it, like essentially, biologically, it's just poison. You know, you're just like poisoning oh, yeah. yourself. I don't, and I don't want to be like <laughs> sound like I'm part of the temperance <laughs> movement either. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah, have, have a beer with your friends. Like, have a, a well crafted cocktail. I certainly continue to do so, but like drinking to excess is a thing. Like it's a very dangerous thing to do, and you know I did it. Oh and yeah, I don't want to anymore. Oh yeah, my personal preference.
0: I would also say that I would call it the two worst drunks I've ever had happen to me back uh, 2012 and 2013. Mm. With actually, were so bad that they reshaped my reality. I would say that. Yeah. One of them I called the wine incident. <laughs> the other one was called the Chicago incident. <laughs> and, uh, Maybe I'll get them some other time. Yeah,
1: I've got incidents, similarly, all over the place. I've done some foolish things. I'm happy to be alive, you
0: know? Oh, yeah, totally. Super
1: happy to be alive.
0: Totally. Yeah, like, uh, actually, here in Kalamazoo, uh, wait, what was that bumping?
1: Oh, that's the radiator pipes. It's, there's a boiler in this
0: it's, it's not the radiator ghost is it <laughs> the radiator
1: ghost yes in fact it is it's the haunted radiator
0: I, yeah but yeah actually uh, I do remember back in 2013 it was after I moved to Grand Rapids mm-hmm. and uh, the Black Lodge which is a hu- formerly a house venue here in Kalamazoo and I lived in there for a couple of months before I moved to Grand Rapids I came back for a visit and uh, what do they call that I should know the name of it, because I used to go there a lot. It's that chicken place over on Nidge, where uh by what? the PNC there. By the PNC. It's a chicken shack. Oh, Chicken Coop? Yeah, Chicken, chicken Coop. How the fuck did I forget I that name? Know. I
1: don't think it's called Chicken Coop anymore. Really? Because like, Chicken Coop is a franchise, like a local, regional chicken, yeah. fried chicken franchise. This is now, like, the Coop shop or something like that oh, like God. it's it's a private business owner that purchased a building that used to be owned by the franchise operator Chicken Coop that serves a similar menu but is not in fact a Chicken Coop.
0: Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: the best place to get fried chicken in the Vine used to be right across the street from Fourth Coast at like, what was oh. once known as the Carousel, and the then West, the became West the Market. Oh, God. The Leaks Place, dude, I love oh those guys.
0: Oh, God, that's, I have a quick thing about that, but to finish up my story, <laughs> I was drunk and going back to the Black Lodge, because, uh, I think, uh, my housemate Andy, like, gave me a key, because he was out working that night, no one else was around, so he's like, okay, Gary, you go out and party, and here's your key. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy but uh anyway i was drunk or whatever i got the chicken i'm walking back back to the house with the chicken and uh <clears throat> i noticed that the building where i used to drop off my rent at a former place i used to live at had closed down because the this is an entirely our story for another podcast but uh yeah, yeah, this was like your classic Zoo slumlord shit, mm-hmm. which resulted in him going out business and losing some properties. One of them was like this office space where you just dropped off your check. Okay. So it was closed up, and for some reason I'm looking at it, in my head I just thought, I should throw a rock through that window. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was like a big window, too. So I. it's just this it was our westridge what's that other street that's like a one way coming towards downtown park street park street yeah. that's the consequences of being nearly 5 years away living away from council yeah i don't remember all these names like i should <laughs> so i'm it's probably all the drinking too and the fact that i'm over 30 now but uh so i so i get this brilliant idea that hey i should throw a rock through the window of this slumlord who fucked me over all these times so i i actually find a rock near like the garden that the, the unkempt garden they had there mm-hmm. big rock I put down the chicken uh, ah! I throw it doesn't break cause it's like some kind of plexiglass or whatever <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what and I grab the same rock and I like throw it like three more times as hard as I could did not crack that motherfucker oh, man. then it thought through my head oh shit you're in a residential neighborhood get your chicken get the fuck out Wow. <laughs> and I did. I stumped I I rambled back to the black lodge and ate chicken while watching Netflix.
1: Nice. So there was there's no like real world? No, no complications. Con- absolutely
0: no consequences for my drunken actions that night.
1: Oh man, I had a friend who had a drunken ramble once. Like he went from a house party in downtown Kalamazoo to when I was working at a burrito shack like right by campus. So it was like a good five to ten miles With, that he walked.
0: Wait, was it within that campus lot area? You know, where they close had close to it, close okay, to it. It yeah. was
1: it was down uh K L Avenue. Look, like West Michigan.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: like I mean well, it's in the books too. Like I worked at Big Burrito, which is like a local business it's not even owned by the same guy anymore like no one gives a fuck yeah. if I talk about Big Burrito well
0: well, that, that, ladies and gentlemen like I said we're recording this in Kalamazoo, Michigan yeah it's very Rich.
1: localized content yep you know? the
0: home of Western Michigan University yeah. so it's a typical college yeah, town yeah it's a
1: college town he walked from up the bars downtown to like out Al- in the township where the actual physical location of the university is. Yeah, so be- there's a lot of a lot of walking.
0: Yeah, so so for listeners who never been to a college town, we're <laughs> we're kind of typical like that in that and and one of the aspects is besides the worst slum lords that you can meet is that you'll have many businesses, many of them local and despite being local, pretty shitty, they're yeah. always switching hands, always the quality of the work environment is varies. It, it fluctuates
1: between shitty and poor. Yeah.
0: So anyway, <laughs> yeah. so anyway, uh, go on yeah, with your yeah. story. Well, out. he
1: he was coming to visit me because this place was open late night, so I was open till four a.m. and I was closing, um, and I did that a lot for a few years, and uh, so he walked to like sober up at Big Burrito and wait for me to get out to like give him a ride back to wherever the hell I gave him ride back to. Probably my place to sleep on the couch. But uh, during his walk, he just became destructive. And he was telling me these stories like, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I fucking kicked out lights on this sign. I, <laughs> I punched a hole through this sign. I, I ripped a, a bus stop sign out of the ground and threw it in the middle of the road. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, this guy's clearly, like, you know, he might have done one or two of these things. No, we drove the entire, I made him do this, because <laughs> I was wide, I've been drinking coffee like, all day, I'm wide it, away. Prove it, prove like, yeah. it. So I almost hit the sign that he threw in the uh, road, because it was very nearby to where I got on the road from Big Burrito. And yeah, he, sure enough, he had kicked over a bunch of shit, and there was all sorts of, there was a trail of chaos leading from downtown all the way to Big Burrito. And, I mean, it was noticeable. There was a lot of like, stuff that had gone wrong. Uh,
0: I believe it was... that I'll paraphrase him. The famous anarchist Mikhail Bakunin who said, like, the passion for creativity is also a passion for destruction. Yeah. And I can relate to your friend on that because, I like, the story I just told, I do have, like, those destructive impulses.
1: Well, that very friend was the... The Hooper Felonius from Borderline Vagabond. So uh, that's well, the same guy that that character is based on. The exact same Yeah, person.
0: I guess the only other thing that I can think of at the moment for a story is that back when I lived, not at Black Lodge, but at a collective around here, part of Kowloon Collective Housing, mm-hmm. I would uh, walk back some nights drunk and due to not meeting anyone to hook up with, uh, for some reason I thought it would be a good idea to go around spitting on car windshields. <laughs> like, and the only thing that su- sucked, though, is that I decided not to do this, like, on my way back, but, like, the cars that are coincidentally right near my house. Right. So I immediately stopped doing that, though, when, like, I almost got caught one night because I passed by, by, like, three houses down. <sighs> Right on a right on a truck windshield. Then immediately a guy comes out like, Okay, it's nice seeing you guys. Bye. Um, I just po- oh, start <laughs> I start power walking and uh and uh I get up to my my door and I unlock it. And I look back, the guy's like inspecting his windshield, I'm like, shit and I just immediately locked the door and went to sleep. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh
1: drinking stories
0: so yeah we, we should do a whole podcast on that kind of stuff because this is supposed to be a 2017 year review
1: yeah well yeah uh, well here we go we'll wrap it up then because 2017 is the first calendar year that i did not do a bunch of that dumbass shit <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, you've had many accomplishments, yeah, actually. Yeah, I have.
1: I have certainly, yeah. And I did, I did do a fair bit of drinking in Peru this this past September. You know, I drank some uh, Pisco Sours. Like, the anybody who knows anything about Peru, Pisco is, like, their national alcoholic beverage. Yeah, so, but,
0: but you didn't go on, like, a spiritual mind trip like a William Burroughs Yage Letters kind of thing. No, trip. I
1: didn't do anything fun like that. I did take part in a... Uh, Coca leaf ceremony where like a shaman puts jasmine water on your head and (laughs) like it's it's very very loosely based on actual indigenous religious beliefs but it's mainly a stop for a a tour bus. Oh, so it's so it's for it's a contrived. It's it's for a
0: white American tourist to feel spiritual.
1: Absolutely, and it was very very bizarre being a person who studied religion like in, in a university academic setting like religion is a very is a very big thing for me and I look at it basically from an outsider and all so yeah. it's, it was very it was cringeworthy to take part in that <laughs> ceremony but also on the other hand um, we were supporting local economy and you know we were helping these people kinda, get out of their situation
0: it's kind of yeah. one of those you know let people enjoy things moment yeah
1: and that's, that's what they're doing too. I mean, it was an old man, he was a, a wise old man, and he was very knowledgeable about the ancient ways, and so in some regards, I did have a legitimate cultural interaction, but it was very contrived, and it's very set up for tourism, and, you know, it's it's not like a, a spiritual journey where you're wandering through the mountains to meet up with some monks in a temple yeah. that's hidden from the world it's not that at all you get in a bus and you're taking pictures of stuff and then they pull you over to this spot where this guy is going <laughs> to say some shit in uh. a language you don't speak and, and make it sound a, a, yeah. a lot more like Spiritually valuable than it actually is. Cause yeah, it's just a stop.
0: Well, we did you, so let's do me very quickly. <laughs> 2017. Yeah, the biggest thing, obviously, this year was the release of my book, Hump Jamboree, July through Elmblad Media Group. Woo! There's that, and before the podcast, we actually looked at like the statistics and the sales on uh, on Lulu. Yeah, uh, besides the. Fifteen copies that we bought ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, sold total of one book, and that put you over the edge to finally get checked for. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So So, like the the way that, uh, like I'll I'll I'll, a little brief history about that. Like the royalties that we make off these books when we publish them are literally negligible, and so the uh, book publishing. Company, so like I, I am a publisher, but the printer that we use is a company that also does publishing and distribution. So we're kind of like in, in work working with them, and, and there's there's no contracts or anything like that, but there are user agreements. And anyway, they're making money off of these book sales in a much Lar- much more largely scaled way than we are. So it's like literally 25 cents to a dollar that we'll make on these exchanges. So um, seeing as how sales from Amazon even take further cuts than what Lulu takes as a publisher, you really, really get a very small amount of money as the original creator of a book that is published in print and then sold on Amazon. So yeah. you know, selling them 50 cents in profit at a time Uh, the site will not issue you a check for your royalties until you reach a check that has a minimum value of $20. So it takes a while to get to $20 selling books at $0.30 to $0.80 a a copy uh, in royalties. But yeah, uh, Yeah. Garrett's uh, most recent sale of Up Jamboree uh, finally, pushed me over the $20 mark on my Lulu properties. Yeah, you're welcome, Zach I'm Yeah, glad. He did it and, for me. He and, did it. He got me a $20 check.
0: And you're welcome, America.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, but, America, for so, having my books and Garrett's books out in the world for you to yeah. purchase and read.
0: So there's that. Um, I spent a week in Chicago in June, and I basically spent the entire week, besides uh, doing whatever, uh, reading. Bringing out open mics and recording them, mm-hmm. and I'm planning point out putting out a free album uh, next month sometime called Live in Chicago. Yeah, so there was that. That was fun, and I'm going over like the good stuff that happened this year. Right away, sure. well, why the hell talk about the bad stuff? Just let well, it go. Well, the bad, the bad stuff is interesting though in oh, some way. Sure, sure. Now, that's kind of how yeah, you had a lot one. of
1: roommate drama, didn't you? Oh, god, we'll get to that. In yeah, a sec. yeah, I know. But
0: uh, and uh, I also ran my first literary festival, the Underground Lit Fest, that mm-hmm. took place in Michigan City, Indiana. Now, that went well. And I met, met a fellow writer named Dan Denton, who's a pretty cool guy. I want to have him on the podcast eventually. Cool, that'll be my <clears> excuse <throat> to travel to Ohio, too. Oh, <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. I'm sorry, man. No, I actually do want to go to Ohio a little bit more to explore. Like, I do want to go, like, to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this summer.
1: Okay. It's
0: one of the one Cleveland's
1: the... an alright town. Um, oh, what's the one in the south? Oh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is rad. But, dude, just, like, being an adventure person that takes road trips from Michigan, like, yeah. you sort of... Like, in order to get anywhere cool that's east of here and south, like, you have to go through Ohio... You have no choice. So I've driven through Ohio so 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 many times, and it's kind of like a joke in Michigan that Ohio mm-hmm. just sucks. It does suck. It, it does suck. But there's cool places in Ohio. I will mm-hmm. admit that. In my old age, I'll admit that there's some cool places in
0: Ohio. <laughs> just, just a little, just, just a few. Just a few. Mainly and, in uh,
1: Cincinnati and Cleveland, though.
0: Yeah, and of course I see a lot of good shows as usual. Like sure. seeing Trans Siberian Orchestra, they were awesome. Uh, yeah. Saw Tim Allen perform, and I talked about it on the last podcast, podcast, but he's a very angry guy on stage. (laughs) Like, he's just fucking enraged. And uh, and I I went to Hamilton, Ontario to see Matthew Good, who I've been wanting to see for some time. I'm actually going to see him again this upcoming March in uh, London, Ontario. He's performing. He's touring with Our Lady Peace. Our Lady Peace. You remember them? Wow, you remember them? I do
1: indeed. Yeah.
0: Like, it, like I didn't even know they were a Canadian band. Huh. But But uh, yeah, they're mostly known for their big, their two big hits in America: "Somewhere Out There" and "Innocent." Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm gonna see see them in London, Ontario this time. So that's gonna be interesting. Cool. Uh, on the same trip, I also went to Niagara Falls too for the first time.
1: I actually have
0: not been to Niagara Falls oh uh at least on the at least on the Canadian side they uh, have an area specifically that's the it's the visiting area you know they got the building and everything mm-hmm. dude, so much and this is this was in March too so mill winter still dude, there was just so much spray coming from the falls that this one entire area was just completely frozen over. I mean, everything was still functioning there, but ice everywhere. You actually had to shield yourself because you're constantly getting sprayed with freezing cold water. So, like every all the tourists, especially the Asian tourists, were there were just you know screaming and running for the for the visitors <laughs> I building.
1: love the Asian tourists, man. If we want to talk about a phenomenon. Like, when you hang out in national parks and stuff. Like, there's all these adorable Asian uh, (laughs) tourists with, like, brightly colored clothing. And they usually have pretty nice cameras. And, like, they're very, very polite and stuff. But you're right. They're so vocal in their reactions. Well, when
0: I think of Asian tourists, I think of uh, the show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Where uh, the Frank character takes control of a boat. And uh, it's all filled with Asian tourists. He like hijacks it because he's racing the other characters to see this movie. It's a it's a good episode, <laughs> and like he he makes a remark like, "Yeah, we're going down the river here. You know, lots of horse, uh, dead horse in this river." <laughs> and uh, Do they all just take pictures. Yeah, they're wow. taking they're taking picture, and the oh. and the translator was like, "This man loves to engage in sexual relations with many prostitutes." <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, That's good. so yeah, so yeah. Those were like the good stuff that happened twenty seventeen for me. The bad stuff uh, got two ear infections. That was pretty fun. This is my first time too using my then health insurance, the Bronze Plan, mm-hmm. Blue Cross Blue Shield, which I had to switch over to a Molina Health recently because they didn't jack up their rates like Blue Cross did.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't have health insurance. That's definitely one of the negative aspects of like leaving my day job is like yeah. do not have it and there was a bunch of there like I had I lost it and then I had to prove my income to be eligible for to to find out to determine whether or not I was eligible for Medicaid and I did not do that in time because I don't know what my income is going to be I have absolutely yeah. no idea so I don't have any data to give them a reasonable expectation of what my income will be and, of course, I'm not an expert in th- these fields. I'm sure there was some way for me to get into it, but I didn't. So, I just don't have health insurance. Yeah, have, you gotten, it have you
0: gotten fined at all?
1: Uh, Well, I won't find out until I actually um well, that was my taxes. Because it's part of... It, it's part of, like, when you do your taxes and you you fill out the part... Like, there's one form that says how much you paid into health insurance policies and there's a second form that sa- it lists the months and which months you had a policy and which months you didn't so i will be charged a prorated fee for like 4 3 or 4 months out of the calendar year in which i was not um, i was i was eligible but not a purchaser of a health insurance plan and I'm pr- I'm pretty sure that that's not a thing anymore after well, this. Calendar.
0: Oh, oh yeah, that's the only thing I agree with Trump so far is he got rid of that the individual, individual mandate. mandate. Yeah, I well, mean, what? it's like
1: one percent of, of my income amortized. Like it'll be prorated, so it'll it'll be w- three twelfths of one percent. You know what I mean? So yeah. it'll, I'll only be fine for those months, but. Where- yeah, my but, taxes this year are a fucking wash. I know.
0: I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm a universal health care guy, <laughs> proponent. Yeah, and over see, yeah. and overall, I support Obamacare, mm-hmm. especially its goals. Yeah. But even when that first came out, I'm like, uh, Barack, don't do that. You're just not yeah. going to work out well, man. Yeah,
1: and it didn't work out well. And forcing anybody to do anything is yeah. fucking an- antithetical to a free, like, yeah, to
0: a free world. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, but anyway, I. uh had two ear infections. That was real fun. Actually, uh, when I when we had that event in uh, Grand Rapids, the reading, mm-hmm. I was I like literally took like my last eardrop of the second ear infection before I came over. Oh wow! So I was still technically recovering from that. Sure. And the real big thing this year was that I uh, had my identity stolen and my my bank completely drained. Yeah, apparently uh, someone somehow got a hold of my uh, account info for my debit card. And they uh, basically spent over two grand at a Sam's club down in Texas. It
1: sucks, man.
0: I know. It, it took, like, it was one of the scary, if I had to compile, like, I don't know, a top ten scariest moments in my life, this would be, like, in the top five. Like, like literally looking at my bank account. Not well. Not looking. First, I called up because I thought there was a problem with my card because it wasn't being accepted. You no, know, my my coworker was like, "Well, maybe the electronics strip got fucked up. You show her a new card." And of course, I call my input my I put in my info. They they give you your bank balance. So it says you have negative two thousand dollars. Oh my! No. And I just <sighs> right jaw drop. <laughs> I get on, I get on with a guy, and I'm like, uh, I'm not exaggerating either for the podcast. This is how actually how I said, it. I'm like, uh, I think I'm a victim of identity theft. <laughs> so yeah, I basically went for about three three weeks until I got my money back. Mm-hmm. And even the letter that they sent me, they're like, we found, two, at, after our, uh, sorry, it was like, two. During our investigation we found no no wrongdoing on anyone's part. Which I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Someone's right. spent over two grand ass Sam's Club of my money. But we have refunded both you and the vendor the money. So my bank basically shelled out over five grand to each of us. Yeah. So yeah, I got that. So yeah. Probably the biggest thing that defined my twenty seventeen, my Identity theft. First time it has ever happened to me, and they went big on it. And finally, the other thing that I've told you about housemate problems. Yeah, yeah, uh, be, yeah. I think I may have secured another housemate, but they've been really uh, picky for whatever reason. I mean, they. I got th- I got them on the admin for inclusion or whatever to put them on the lease. So I'm waiting for them to come over sometime this weekend to sign it, but yeah, uh housemate ditch on us. This is like the third housemate since i've since so, since I moved to Grand Rapids, I've been in the same apartment for nearly five years now. Mm-hmm. Third time this has happened to me, just someone just straight up ditching oh, like no so wor- yeah, no word about it. And they just left their shit behind.
1: I have dealt with that before. I know exactly what that's like.
0: So, basically, uh, let's call him Adam. Adam. He owes me about $800 in total fees from rent, late fees, and non-sufficient fund fees. Because uh, they're taken out of his bank account. Mm-hmm. But since he doesn't have the money, they charge him a fee. So... Mm-hmm. Plus, it's kind of flabbergasting too. It's like, why are you allowing yourself to get fucked credit wise this way? Yeah. You do realize this is not going to help People you. People right? reach a
1: point of terminal apathy where they're like, the what what work would be required to do to actually pay off their debts and actually like retain a respectable credit score? It's just out of the window.
0: Oh um, yeah, this.
1: And you just, that's how you just get driven further and further and further. Well,
0: on. well, a little history with Adam. I met him uh, last, early last year when we had him in our housemate moved out, and he apparently moved back from Japan. Like he, uh, like he lived somewhere in southern Japan. You know, he's living there with his dad. His dad's American. His mom's Japanese. They're divorced, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, you know, I just want my own." want to live on my own, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so we first get there. And so he moves in. We think it's all good. I receive an email like a month later stating that we owe we owe rent. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I was seeing Wilco at the time, too, here at the State Theater in Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. So that kind of semi-ruined my experience. Right. So I get back on it and her, I go with my other housemate because she does online payments and all that. I don't because I'm lame like that. Right. So I asked her, like, hey, uh, can you go into the, to our account and find out what's up? Go in there. Oh, Adam hasn't paid his rent. So, yeah, right out the door, very first month, he just does not pay it. And that's the whole thing with him is that he just did not really seem to care to pay his rent. Mm-hmm. So I tell him, like, hey, you need, to, hey, I had to pay it off. You owe me money. You have to start paying our landlord. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I've just been really depressed. You know, my dad's been in the hospital for this, and this has been going on, that's been going on. Like, right. dude, I don't care. Yeah,
1: don't care about your depressive So like, it's your been, fucking sob story.
0: So that went on for two months. I had to keep prodding him to, like, Pay me back, which he eventually did. Mm -hmm. Most of the texts was like, Where's my fucking money? So, finally got him on that. Then, during the summer, he just texts me out of the blue Hey, uh, I was robbed a week ago in, you know, down the street from where we lived. And I'm just so filled with anxiety that I don't want to live here anymore. You know, who do I contact to get out of the contract? I'm like, Contact the landlord because I'm not gonna help you get out of the contract. (laughs) Fuck you. So then he sends me back another email. You know what? I decided I'm gonna stay on. Probably because he contacted them, then was told like a he's gotta pay a fee. Yeah. So I didn't see him for two months because he he has like some kind of welding job, or at least he did. That'll Mm -hmm. come up in a sec. You know, brings him like different places. So he was staying with friends or something. He comes back and we have another little chat. Because you see, uh, before summer hit, our rent got increased. Mm-hmm. We were paying $295 between the three of us. Mm-hmm. They got increased and we were paying $317 between the three of us. Mm-hmm. This is in Heritage Hill, the hip neighborhood of Grand Rapids. So that's pretty fucking cheap. Yeah. So he was basically paying rent, but he was still on 295 so his, so we're, so we, it's a funny thing. I think our landlord, like, only charges us when it gets, like, in the big 400s. Mm-hmm. But if it's, like, a little thing, like 20 bucks, it just keeps adding up. Yeah. So we're like, dude, you have to pay this off. Oh, okay, show me how. So we had to show him how to do it with his, with his uh, online charging. Mm-hmm. But then he didn't, like, change it back. So he was technically paying more than he should with rent. Which is fine for me, because I didn't give a shit. Right. You no know, extra. And then that same weekend, he bought in, like, his... He's also a disc golf player. He bought in these terrible, terrible fellow play, <laughs> disc golf players mm-hmm. from his fucking team. They were just the worst house guests you can imagine. They all smelled. They trashed, like, his room and, like, part of our kitchen. Mm-hmm. And my favorite one They had like a 50 some year old guy there Who Little scruffy guy he, he didn't speak a word of English to Whoa Don't, don't fuck up the podcast sack yeah, shit over here Yeah but He's a little scruffy dude Who like didn't speak a word of English to me Like his whole thing was like <laughs> Again not an exaggeration That's exactly how he talked to me when I met him Like oh nice to meet you Dan <laughs> <laughs> no, Great that South Park character. Yeah, that motherfucker shaved. He used my razor. Oh. And I, I know that because when I went to shave, I pick it up and there's all this hair on it. I'm like, "Okay, I what what? I will clean this off." What? And I look at it and it's like different color hair. He had like reddish hair. I'm like God. <laughs> <laughs> That was one of the few times in my life that I wish it's one of the few times in my life that I wish I had like a bloodborne disease like AIDS or syphilis <laughs> or something. <laughs> just so you could have transmitted it yeah, I'm MS. like, God, fuck you. Uh, that's so gross. Right. And then finally, the big thing: we just this, this past November, we get a usual, you know, pay up rent or be evicted. Mm-hmm. We try contacting Adam, no response at all, not through phone, email, Facebook message. I even straight up contacted his dad oh my god no, no response so the motherfucker just straight up abandoned the lease abandoned mostly all of his all of his shit so yeah. I got a free computer a free mattress a lot of free clothes because surprisingly a lot of them fit me mm-hmm. and a lot of other stuff I just that's the thing if you live with me ladies and gentlemen if you abandon the lease I'm just gonna scavenge your shit yeah well that's reasonable <laughs> I know so so it's been a struggle the past two months. We may finally have someone in. But yeah, uh fuck you, Adam. Uh <laughs> die. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> but yeah, but you owe me eight hundred bucks first.
1: I I got roommates that still owe me over a thousand bucks. Even people that you know I still talk to. They
0: just uh, don't you know? Dude, that's the worst yeah, right there. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I don't happily engage in conversation with them, but they they pop up in my life. I got no reason to just be a dick to somebody if all they all they owe me is money. Because in in my particular instance, it wasn't a situation like as you described. It was more like they got fucking screwed, and I just I'm perpetually not screwed as bad as everybody else. So I just kind of took care of it. And yeah, they owe me that money, but I'll never see it. Yeah, no, you, know, you get you get to a point where they. Always, you get, uh, you know, you I
0: I would not so be much. that nice. Like I've already promised that if I were say see Adam downtown or wherever, mm-hmm. I would roll up on him. Yeah. But uh, even if I wouldn't get the money, I would still pull a tough guy act and say, "Hey, uh, you fucking owe me." Yeah. I can
1: be intimidating if I need to be, but I really just try not to. Like if it's only that, if it's only money, I'll just let it go.
0: Well, I would be it that way. Sound
1: like it's not it's not just money for this.
0: Well, yeah, technically, because basically living with him just sucked. Yeah. Overall, but eight hundred dollars is a lot.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: It but, is. But uh but to end the story too, it may have been the reason why he ditched, is that when I was going through I was scavenging his shit, mm-hmm. I found uh a, a bill from uh Mercy Hospital, the Emergency room, in fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, he checked himself in for uh, drug dependence and depression. Oh, wow. So there's that. Yeah. And in my search for him, I called up his last known job that he had listed on Facebook. You know, I left a message saying, like, hey, I'm his housemate. I've been searching for him. I'm, since he has you guys listed as, your, as his employer, I wonder if you could help me get in contact with him. I received, like... 10 minutes later a call from them oh hey how are you thanks for calling me back uh got anything uh yeah adam was fired two months ago (laughs) just exactly when it lined up with him ditching (sighs) so yeah lost his job decided to become depressed i feel no sympathy though yeah because the motherfucker owes me 800 bucks
1: yeah, I mean, people's lives get hard and then they start making foolish decisions and screw people over that we're trying I, to help them. I,
0: yeah, I know. I guess that's just part of my personal code, my etiquette, is that if there's something up, I will talk to you about and try to work something out. Yeah. You know, I'm just not going to ditch or... Just not pay my rent. Exactly, yeah,
1: you'd be a responsible human being. <laughs> I know,
0: I mean yeah. I'm thirty years old now too. I don't yeah. got time for this shit. Exactly,
1: dude. That's it's all childish crap. Like you gotta hold yourself accountable for your actions and that's really what it boils down to. You just gotta pay the fucking debt that you owe, you know? I know. You can't run away from it forever, it'll catch up with your ass eventually.
0: Yeah. Even if I have to go to Japan, Adam, I will give me I will give a hundred bucks. Yeah, fuck you. Well, uh with that, uh been 2 hours and 5 minutes, uh I think we should end this.
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and end it. I going to edit some real estate photos. Unless <laughs> work out a film.
0: Unless you want me, unless you want to go full rogue and go like 4 hours.
1: Oh man, I don't know if I have the uh the podcast legs to go for 4 hours today. Never know till you try. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no.
0: Okay, well, uh, that would be the end of the show. My uh my guest here has been my homie slash editor slash basically my my version of Dr. Gonzo my attorney <laughs> Zach Elmblad uh, Zach uh, is there anything you like to plug?
1: Oh uh, yeah um, uh, Elmblad Media Group uh, coming up in the next three or four months we've got a few more releases uh, I'm producing a film that my brother wrote that's an, a silent black and white film adaptation of The Raven uh, we just wrapped up Recording the soundtrack for it Filming has been done for about three weeks um, Starring My other brother, Josh Elmblad And uh, young lady Hannah Reed, who's a belly dancer At one of the places upstairs And a, a friend of ours throughout the years um, I'm excited About that that release You know, We're going to be putting it in some film festivals And stuff over the course of 2018 um, I'm working on Another book normal on trial uh it is not in a position where i think it's going to be completed this year but i'm certainly working on it so i'm writing i know you got some stuff coming up that we're going to work together on um i just i i, I think we're we're going to stick to inside the u.s for travels uh this year but you can look forward to some more episodes of Everyday Explorers, which is a show on YouTube and local community access that I've been producing. Yeah,
0: yeah let's see. ZachElmblad.com. Yeah, ZachElmblad.com. Uh, Elmblad Media Group on Facebook. Yep. Zach Elmblad on Twitter. Yeah, You're on YouTube. Yep.
1: I'm on uh, all the things, yeah, Instagram.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll I'll link all that shit yeah, in the it's, description. Well
1: it's it's lucky for me because all you have to do is search my name. Like I have a pretty yeah. a unique name, so once you know Zach Elmblad, it's it's pretty hard. Like there's some Elmblad hockey players at U of M and <laughs> like my dad oh. has some patents and stuff, but other than that, you search for Elmblad, you're gonna get me.
0: All right, and uh, of course, check out check out him and his bad band, Conrad Twitty Band. They're we'll on band We'll be releasing
1: camp. An, a full-length album uh, that we've been recording for a year now. Uh, we'll be releasing that this year for sure. Uh, I'm actually in another music project called Enola Gray, which is a reincarnation of Three Mile Island. Oh, um, oh shit. With basically the same concept, except it's it's not Kenny. Um, Playing bass. Uh, not that I wouldn't get back together with Kenny. Um,
0: it's uh, just dude, life hasn't. That's you know. a, that's a whole entire. Yeah, podcast. yeah, it is a
1: whole entire podcast. You know. And speaking of Kenny, like I I had been trying to reach out to him to start some podcasting of our own, but you know we don't need to get into Kenny. He's he's got
0: his own life. He's he's doing other stuff at this point, right, uh, which is really the answer we'll, to all that. We'll you know? we'll talk shit later. I don't need. to... Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Well, I, I'm well, I'm over it all, you know. We're I'm kidding. We're yeah, kidding. I'm, I'm an adult at this point, and so is he. Like we're, we're not trying to we're kidding. talk shit about we, each other. We love you, Kenny. Yeah, I love Kenny. He's, he's, oh, you he's, love Kenny. I like Kenny. Right, but that's through what you told me about him.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's he's been a shitty friend in the past, but <laughs> I've, I've you know I've known him since high school, and he and I went through a lot together, and I would never ever discount that you know um, and i wish him the best We're just Well the
0: same you just watch right. like 10 20 years down the line you'll be on another guy's podcast that'll ask you about me and you're like <laughs> god fuck him no i don't re- i don't really like <laughs> I, fuck, I don't fuck, choose fuck care and his unsellable books <laughs> <laughs> you can say
1: the same thing about me my shit's unsellable but, but you know, we we looked at the revenues. We both have yeah, sales this year, yeah, man. You know, fuck fucking
0: Garrett. That's all he did. Oh, uh, oh, you put me one over on Lulu. Uh, <laughs> self-deprecation.
1: Oh, uh, it's it's great. I but, love uh, that shit. You know, we're we're fun, man. You know, I don't have to talk shit about Kenny. We're just doing we're doing something else. It's me and the bass player from uh, Conrad Twitty uh, Band. One of them, DJ, uh, and he and I want to do some politically themed like. Doom Metal, you know, nice. Very similar to what Three Mile Island was. It's not copying what Kenny and I did. It's just what we're gonna naturally end up doing. So yeah,
0: and uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll get into all that other shit on another podcast. Me and Zach will yeah. inevitably do. <laughs> and uh, that's it, man. Uh, is there anything else you like to add?
1: No. Happy New Year. Uh, make money in 2018. Uh, make art and thrive. Yeah. That's my closing statement.
0: Nice. And this has been the New Year's podcast for the Garrett Shelkey podcast. Two days beforehand, because both of us are going to be busy and probably too fucked up to do a podcast that day. Yeah. I'm your host, uh, Garrett Shelkey, and uh, thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. And
1: Salud, amigos.
0: Yep. And here's the outro song. Later, folks.